Lord, in your passage this morning, you relate to us what the angel Gabriel related to Mary. And it was that, for with God, nothing is impossible. We understand the implication of that as it relates to Mary's question about how she was going to be able to have a child seeing that she was not married. But that verse takes us down different avenues than just what is recorded for us in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Because quite frankly, Lord, and you know our hearts... There are moments and events in our lives that we wonder if that verse is even true. Things happen to us. And we do our best to pray and ask for your favor. And then when events of life don't match what we believe, what the scriptures have to say, then we find ourselves wandering is really everything possible with God. We know that you are all-powerful. We know that you are everywhere at the same time, not in any way slighted of your character or your name. We know that you are all-knowing. We realize all of those theological issues, but when it comes to life, we have trouble putting them in everyday practice. And I pray, O oh God, this morning that somehow, some way, as your words will speak, that we will be able to find some kind of realization That yes, for with you nothing is impossible. And how that relates to the storms we may be going through right now. I know that Marlene and Will are facing a storm. It was that just most recently in visiting with her. She shared how she felt wonderful. Didn't have any symptoms whatsoever. And, and now they, they went down to Gettysburg to get a little bit of a rest. And now we find out that she's been placed in a hospital. And that which she thought was now a different reality. And we don't know the whole implication of it. But what makes you God is that you do. You know the beginning and the end. You know the full outcome. You knew that this was going to happen even before it did happen. You were able, O Lord God, to put Will and Marlene in a place where it was accessible for her to go into a hospital. And I pray, Father, that even now you would be directing the hands and the minds 
of the physicians who will be tending to Marlene. We also know that for with you nothing is impossible that you could raise her even this day. But what we struggle with is knowing your will and what your plan is in the midst of this. So I pray for Marlene. That Lord, that not only are you watching over her, not only are you protecting her, but Lord, you'll be using her for your glory somehow in some way. The same is true with Julius and Agnes's niece. During the last two weeks, her health digressed from being in a regular hospital room to the ICU and now to the morgue. No understanding of reasons why. We don't even know for the situation of what she was facing. But again, God, you do. And I pray, Lord, that you would give Julius and Agnes and their family. Give them direction. Give them the funds needed. Give them the strength needed. And also give to them the peace needed. We ask, O oh God, that somehow, some way, you would be there in a very special way that even right now we don't even understand. But we'll leave that to you. Guide them, O oh God, for your glory. The 1,951 individuals who graced the doors, walked the, walked the floors, heard the words. Lord, we don't know where all of their hearts are, but you do. And as we have opportunity to do follow-up with them, I pray, O oh God, that again your glory would be seen. Maybe as dynamic as the shepherds saw that night while they were in the same country. Maybe it would be that glory that would shine through. That again would give you praise and honor. As you work in the hearts of each and every individual. I thank you, Lord, for each and every one who had a part. It doesn't matter what they were doing. All that matters is that they were doing it for you. There were no small parts. It blessed my heart, Lord, to see children who just wanted to be around in the marketplace. I can envision 
what it must have been like during the time of when you walked this earth. Children were all around you. I thank you, Lord, for those who tirelessly continue to not just speak their lines, but yet they did it with a heart. And you empowered them. Whether it was 195 times over the last three days, that's insignificant, Lord, to the fact that they were sharing your word. And I pray that our hearts would be changed. We come to your word this morning, God, and we're asking the same thing. That you would change our hearts. May the familiarity of the passage not cause our minds to wander to other things. I'm asking, Lord, that you would speak to us. And by the presence of your Holy Spirit, teach us today. May we see a new nugget of truth, evidenced in your word that we've never seen before. And may you receive the honor and the glory. Strengthen us when we are weak. Help us to know what you want us to know. Implant, O Lord, by your spirit, your word into our hearts and change our lives. All for your honor and for your glory. And I thank you and praise you in your name. Amen. I think we we would be remiss if we didn't just take a few moments. I, I know that there are so many individuals who are important in walk through Bethlehem, but I'll tell you, two ladies in particular who sort of take the reins and make sure we're doing things right. And their spirits are so convicting because they can get you to do stuff with a smile. And, and, and so I think we need to show our appreciation to them, to the Lord, uh, both for uh, Melinda and for Renee. As they are the ones. Could you sing that song again, Pastor? Just one more time. Sure, why not? And I say it with a smile. In Luke chapter 1, when we begin at verse 26... The theme of the passage from verse 26 to over to verse 37 is that God shows up. It's it's not the first time that God does that through scripture. In Genesis chapter 3, God showed up in the garden. 
And his question to Adam and Eve were, where are you? He showed up to share with them the consequences of their actions. In the book of Daniel, in chapter 2, God showed up in the lives of three individuals. Their Babylonian names are recorded for us as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And God met them in a fire. God assured them that he has all things under control. Later on in that same book, God showed up with Daniel in the lion's den. Thinking that he didn't make it through the night. The king at that time yelled down, Daniel, has your God spared you? And Daniel's answer still rings in our ears that yes, God is still in control. God showed up in Exodus with with Moses. As they stood on the shore of the Red Sea, God told Moses simply to touch the water with his staff. And it rolled back like a scroll and the children of Israel walked through on dry ground because God wanted to prove to them of how great he is. And he keeps his promise. In Luke chapter 1, God shows up again. Now you have to understand that it has been 400 years where God has not spoken. From the end of the book of Malachi to the beginning of the New Testament, known as the book of Matthew and even Luke, And Mark and John, God was silent. He was not speaking to his prophets. He was not directing the course of Israel of where they should go as he did in the wandering of the wilderness. He was silent. And then he breaks through. He shows up for us in this chapter in a dynamic way because he sends one of his archangels, Gabriel. And as Gabriel enters into a house, he finds a willing virgin. And I guess I want to express to you somehow, some way this morning is that even in the midst of storms, there's still peace in the presence of God. Let's read the passage together. 
If I could waste a few more minutes, it's not going to take that long, and we'll be good. We'll sing another song and say, amen, let's go home. No, you've got to stay here and tear down. Luke chapter 1. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel told her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when Mary saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. And the angel answered and said to her. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One. Who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed Elizabeth your relative. Has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her. Who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the hand, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I believe in these verses we have three points that... Every good sermon's supposed to have, and you'll have to excuse my, my meager offering to you this morning, but I still have three points. I don't have a prayer, but I do have a poem. No, I, ha- I don't have a poem. I have a prayer. Excuse me. I want to describe for you from this passage, first of all, a piece of God's presence that's described in history. It's described in history. Secondly, detailed in events. And thirdly, determined in humility. If you read that first verse, verse 26, and the second verse, 27, if you read it quickly, you miss the impact of really what is being said there. It's giving you details of history whereby God has promised to fulfill what he's determined to happen. If you go back to, and I'm just going to give you these verses and you go back and look at them. You you go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Specifically focusing on verse 7. For there it declares... That the coming child, who will be known as the Prince of Peace, he's going to rule on his father's throne, 
David's throne. And it's not going to end. And his rule will be one of peace. In 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 16, God is giving to David a promise. And in verse 7, the promise is that your line will not cease. There will be a king who is going to reign on your throne forever. And then again in Numbers chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. Moses, through the instruction of God, gives to the priesthood of a blessing that they are to give to the nation of Israel. And a part of that blessing is that God promises peace. Peace in the presence of God comes from the fact that it's been described in history throughout the scriptures that God is the one of peace. I grew up in the time, and some of you can remember this, I grew up in a time when the Vietnam conflict was going on and it seemed that on Christmas Day they were able to stop all the war and all the fighting. And they call the temporary peace for a day. When we come to this type of season, you, you'll recognize and notice the signs, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. We sing songs of his peace. Paul describes for us that it's the kind of peace that passes all of our understanding. We can't comprehend it all. But it's detailed and described for us in the word of God that as the angel Gabriel was about to make his big announcement, the highlight is this, is that Luke included that phrase when he said, of the house of David. Don't go over that quickly. For it is in that phrase. That God has promised. A peaceful rule. From the one who is known as the prince of peace. And one of these days. The world ultimately is going to see the very presence of Jesus Christ ruling in Jerusalem on his throne. And there will be peace. But for us as believers, even now, the storm that you may be facing, the situation that you doubt that verse 37 is true, And yet down deep inside of us we realize that where would we be without the peace of Jesus Christ? None of this makes any sense 
None of it. All of his life. Doesn't really have anything to offer us other than get in line. Don't ask questions. March to the world's tomb. But God says, there's a peace. And it's in my presence. Under the shadow of the Almighty, David writes for us in Psalm 36, under the shadow of the Almighty, there is peace. In the next verses, as this peace of God and his presence detailed in the events, because this, from a theological position, is entitled the Annunciation. It's a fancy word for an announcement. Gabriel was announcing to Mary an impossible situation. In her mind. Gabriel says to her. Rejoice. Highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Mary didn't really understand what was going on. And she was confused about this greeting. But. Gabriel went on again, and did you catch it? He assured her twice, don't be afraid. Do you realize the one thing that steals our peace is fear? Fear of the unknown. Fear of the situations that we can no longer control. And may I even declare fear of maybe even doubting God. And wondering, are you sure, God, you have all things in control? And Gabriel assures Mary twice, don't be afraid. And then... To highlight this wonderful peace in the presence of God, Gabriel gives her the news. The description of what Gabriel is sharing with Mary is unbelievable. For he highlights to her that she is going to conceive in her room and bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus. But notice his characteristics. First of all, he'll be great. He is the ultimate. That word in the Greek literally means unmatchable. Unattainable by anything other than who he is. He is great. Secondly, he describes this child is that he will be called the son 
of the highest. He will have all of the characteristics. He will have all of the wonder and glory of the one for whom he is coming from. The writer of Hebrews describes it for us a little bit differently in Hebrews chapter 1. When he refers to as God speaks to us now through his son. The reason he does that is because his son Jesus is the epitome of the Godhead in bodily form. The Apostle Paul reiterates that for us in the book of Colossians when he says, in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's the son of the highest. And when one of Jesus' disciples asked him, show us the Father, Jesus said, he's right here. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's the Son of the highest. The third characteristic as listed for us is that the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He's going to be king. It's that promise that God gave in 2 Samuel chapter 7 to David himself. It's the same promise that Isaiah reiterated in Isaiah chapter 9. It's the same promise that he's given to Mary. That this one is going to be king. And he's going to rule from his daddy's throne. And the last one. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will not end. Kings come and go. Senators and congressmen come and go. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> Yes, I know who that was. But Jesus is forever. And in that we can take great peace in knowing. Doesn't matter what the newspapers have to say. Doesn't matter what the news has to say. Jesus Christ is still in control. For through him... And by him, all things exist. And he's sharing that with Mary to assure her that there is a peace in the midst of these details, these events of the details. Mary, this one you're going to bring into the world is going to fulfill all of this. And there's peace in her heart. The only question she has is, uh, God, you forgot a detail. And from street vernacular, it says, I ain't married yet. I ain't married yet. Then Gabriel says, oh, this is where it's really going to get good. Because Mary, you're going to experience what no one else has ever 
and will ever experience again. Because God is going to show up. He shows up in the presence of his Holy Spirit that is going to come upon you and overshadow you. And he is going to create in you the creator. Can you imagine that? She stopped trying to figure it out. And she began to understand what it is to determine to be humble. Be it unto me the maidservants of the Lord. I have a question for you. It's this. When God reveals something to you in which he's directing you to do, and yet what you think God is asking you seems impossible, what would be your reaction to what God's asking you to do? Mary is our example of when situations seem to be impossible. God's just asking us to get on a plane. Those of you that have flown before, some of you may have great fears of flying. But when you're walking down the runway... To get on that jet. No, to get in the jet. You don't get on the jet, you get in. I ain't flying 30,000 feet trying to grasp onto the tail of that plane. I want to be in the seat, so I'm in the plane. You all straight on that? You don't get on a plane, you get in a plane. And then those people who jump out of them things, what is wrong with them? What would cause you to jump out of a perfectly good airplane with a piece of fabric holding you up? Lord have mercy. But as you're going down that runway to get on the plane, there's a few things that you don't know. You don't know anything about flying that jet. You have no idea the aerodynamics that are needed to bring that jet off of the ground, the thrust that is needed by those engines to get you off the ground, and then to navigate you to the next destination. You have no idea how that works, but you get in the plane. Because you're depending on someone who knows how that works. On a plane, he's called the pilot. In life, he's called Jesus. For Mary, it was going to be a ride that she has no idea of the circumstances. But she trusts the pilot.
who's navigating the plane. And when you get inside of that airline and you get in the seat and you strap yourself in, once the takeoff is over and you're cruising at about 35 to 40,000 feet, you can take a nap. You can be at peace. Because you trust the one who you can't see. And when it comes to a piece of God's presence, God may just be asking you, get in the plane. I'll take you where you don't need to worry. You can take a nap. I'll get you there. And all he's asking us to do is trust the pilot. Who knows the way? Let's pray together. Words can't begin to express our gratitude, God, for your peace. We recognize it. We thank you for it. And we realize that it's by your grace. And so God, I pray that when the storms come. And what seems to be impossible. We thank you Lord that with you nothing is impossible. You can fly the plane. You can direct our lives. And all you're asking for us is to get in. To be like Mary, who is our example. Behold the main servant of the Lord. Be it unto me as you've directed. And we'll be careful to praise you and thank you in your name. Amen.